we going to have some fun with this today? Let's head up to Knoxville and say hello to longtime Knoxville sports talk show host, Tony Basilio. He's heard that song before, perhaps. A time, a time or like a thousand in, in the yeah. last uh, couple of days. But George, great afternoon to you. Looking great in your Pred stuff, man. It is hockey season, brother. It is hockey it season. It is. Come on down sometime. I'll take you to a game. I love it, man. I'm serious. I'd love it. So before you and Watson get to X's and O's, what were the final few minutes like Saturday and what was it like afterwards? Man, I'll tell you, I I knew this place when it came back to life was going to be a special thing because it's been so long. But the sights and sounds that came out of that, when that ball that was tipped, by the way, at the line of scrimmage just kind of knuckled through, um... I have a lot of old timers, people have been going to games 50, 60 years, you know, tell me they've never seen anything like that scene. And, uh, you know, a bunch of people made their way down onto the field. I had a player on the show with me today, and, and Watson will appreciate this. He said it was a good 35 minutes before he got to the locker room. And basically, Josh Heupel told those kids, when we win, take your time. Enjoy this. You guys have worked hard for this. And... Those guys were out there enjoying the the, the scene uh, with the fans, and there were thousands of people on the field. I mean, thousands. And uh, it was a pretty peaceful thing, you know. It was um, – and then people on my postgame show, you know, we were on for seven hours. And, 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 guys, I'm telling you, I mean, we were. We were on seven – people were crying. People were calling in, talking about – you know, thinking back to when my dad first took me to a game or my grandfather's not here to enjoy this. And um, almost the, the Cubs like World that. Series feel. Yeah. Well, almost a, almost a winning the World Series feel. Yeah. Or winning the Super Bowl. You know, my, my father passed away the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl and he was 92 and I cried for him. So I can kind of relate to. Uh, these fans, you know, that just get real sentimental. They, they got way up in their fields, though. I mean, I had people crying yesterday on my show over this thing, and that's never happened. That has never happened. And the tradition with the um, smoking a cigar after the game, man, these people listen to Watson Brown because they believed. Everybody had a cigar on them, Watson. Everybody. These people <laughs> hadn't beaten Alabama since the uh, iPhone was invented. <laughs> and everybody had a cigar on them, Watson. They believed they saw what you saw. <laughs> oh man, look at that! Look at that view out there, oh, guys. God. We've got some guys. great, yeah, we got some great pictures. Yeah. Tell me again before I turn it to Watson. Yeah. How many people does the University of Tennessee believe were outside, not able to get in, but watching it outside of Neyland Stadium? Well, there's a there's a clip that I uh, tweeted or retweeted yesterday that that I, I believe um, Austin Price over at VaQuest came up with it, found it somewhere. There were several thousand people at a watch party over there near the Humanities Building. They had set a little deal up there, and there were several thousand people there. So, it's one of the toughest tickets in years. And a bunch of people couldn't get it, couldn't couldn't get into the game, and went and did the next best thing and gathered. Well, I'll tell you, it's really just special. It's just a special time here. It's um, 
I mean, this team's six and zero, and I have no idea how they've done it, but uh, it's they've beaten Florida. I mean, they've won at LSU, and now they beat Alabama. Have an opportunity at Georgia here in about three weeks, couple and a half weeks. Incredible time here, guys. Incredible. It truly is. Watson, take it from there. Tony, do you are you going to get any percentage off? Off of all the cigars that were sold. I mean, somebody is making a killing around Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm telling you. Well, I'll tell you a story. I I was at one of my sponsors today. They're helping me with, um, we're doing a benefit this week for the children of um, uh, charity here in town. They, They mentor children who have one or both parents incarcerated. So we're taking a hump, couple hundred kids to the football game uh, this weekend and giving them a great tailgate. So I was going around. I've been going around collecting things from different sponsors. Today, I went to Alumni Hall. And Jeff Goodfriend, who their family's been around here a long time, he said they printed 3,000 game, game score shirts, okay? Game score with a little thing. He said, they're really not. He said, these things aren't really anything, you know, kind of to write home about people bought them immediately online. (laughs) He said, they never even made them to the stores. 3000 of them. He said, I called my printer up. I said, can we print some more? And the printer said, I was up all night making those. I mean, what do you want me to do here? And that's what we're dealing with. That's that's what we're dealing with right now. This place is like in a in a just a frenzy. Love it, Tony. I said early in the week when when I kind of we had an analysis on on well yesterday I guess right George it was yeah. uh, about the game and uh, my first comment was uh, Alabama got out coached big time in this game. I mean <laughs> big time, and um, uh, I've seen different quotes and comments from coach Saban since, and we got to clean this up and this up and this up and say all you want. But uh, Tennessee made the right decisions throughout the game and Alabama and aggressive decisions, aggressive decisions. And Alabama went the other way. They were very conservative through this game. And uh, uh, the discipline that was shown by Tennessee to, to Alabama in the game, I said yesterday, Alabama's, saying, well, we lost because of the penalties. Well, the penalties were caused by Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee was rushing the passer with five. Alabama wouldn't do it. They only rushed four. Tennessee kept coming after them and even give up a big play. But here they'd come again, holding calls, holding calls. Uh, Just the pass interference. Uh, The quarterback stood back there for Tennessee the whole day, didn't get touched. And they're throwing it 20 and 30 yards down the field. And uh, they got to hold them because they, they couldn't cover them. And then then all those illegal procedure penalties came. That's that's the big orange crowd, 100%. The, 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 the Nalem Stadium crowd Saturday had a lot to do with the win. I give it 10 points in, in, in the victory. So these, these penalties, 17 of them, matter of fact, you and I text during the game about that. And the more I thought about it, I said, Tennessee caused these penalties. This wasn't – undisciplined by Alabama. This is, this is, this is catching it on the chin a little bit and having to hold on for dear life. And how many times have they been in that position in the Saban era? <laughs> you know, because here's the thing. Many. National championship games. Usually that's about it. Well, you warned me 
and a couple other people warned me. This Bryce Young guy is unbelievable. Oh, he's... Like there are there are good players, there are great players, and then there are these people that are just you know above that. And this guy was like genius level because he doesn't have the type of athletes around him on offense that Hendon Hooker does, but yet he's just making plays, and he's fitting balls in windows. And he's finding, and he's just, he's doing magical things out there, keeping plays alive. Like you were talking about the pressure Tennessee got on him. And time after time after time, he evaded rush. He evaded this. He evaded, and it wasn't like, um, it, it wasn't like Tennessee was poor at the point of trying to get him on the ground. It was that they couldn't get a look at him. He was just so evasive. And sometimes you got to tip your cap to somebody. And, you know, even in victory, we were all pointing out that that's one of the great performances in the history of the stadium. That that kid had one of the great performances in the history of the state and Tennessee still beat him. And I agree with you, Watson. I think early in the game when Nick Saban's deciding to kick field goals, he's playing 1990s football, man. Look, we're in a different age now. And I know those bammers don't like hearing this, but your coach better adjust or this guy in Knoxville is going to run him over. Because if you get in these games and you kick field goals with Josh Heupel, he is going to run you right out of his building. And Alabama's very fortunate that didn't happen to them Saturday because it could have happened. It really could have happened. Well, the reason the reason that game stayed tight was one guy, and that, that's Bryce Young, period. Yeah. He, he was the absolute reason and an unbelievable quarterback play. You take both those two kids, Hooker and Bryce Young, I don't know that I've watched a game where two quarterbacks could have played any better than those two did. I mean, I would have graded both of those 95%, both of them in the game. And and uh, it, the the aggression by Tennessee and rushing five guys to mm-hmm. Alabama not, which I don't understand why they didn't do that, mm-hmm. was to me the difference in the game. And and the other great thing Tennessee did that, that I've thought about since – they got. They had to lead the whole game. So okay, we're ahead. We're ahead. We're ahead. Boom! All of a sudden, you're behind on on the only bad play Tennessee had, and it's a play they don't run very much. That was the only call I thought where Coach Hopple made a bad call. It was serious time of the game, and it's a play they don't run very often. And it's a read play between the quarterback and the back going sideways, and they just missed the read. The read was proper. He should have handed the ball off, but the tailback didn't take it, and. So they go behind, but they immediately go right down the field and score. That was huge, in, in, in my opinion, to go right back down. Alabama didn't get to keep it long and the lead long, and Tennessee went right back down and scored. But to what I say about aggression, Tony, take the last two series of the game. Alabama's down. Well, the game's tied. The game's tied. Alabama gets the ball four minutes to go in the game, three-something. They go down the field. They go down the field, and Tennessee just bringing five. They're pressure, pressure, pressure. They make a third down. They make another one. Tennessee did not back off, and the last three plays of the game for Alabama, pressure. They had people open, but he couldn't get on the ball. And I said to George on Monday, and I don't do this very often, but I, I believe this one. Why in the world would Alabama not run the ball right in there to use Tennessee's last two timeouts? I agree with that. To where at least Tennessee don't get a shot at winning the game. Either win it yourself or take it to overtime. 
And they threw three straight times. And the great throw he made that the running back dropped the ball. And it was about knee level. But if he catches that now, he's going to run another 20. And then the last play, they've got a guy wide open crossing the field. He couldn't get on the ball because of the pressure. They pressured them and they didn't back off. Then then Tennessee gets the ball and Alabama backs up. No pressure. No pressure no whatsoever pressure. and lets them throw two 20-yard gains, yeah. which is hard to do in college football in today's world. Yes. So the difference in the game to me was aggression. Tennessee had it, never backed away from it. And for some reason, Alabama did not – they could not get to the quarterback. George, I said this, didn't I? The, the, the unsung heroes of that football game is the Tennessee offensive line. Because Alabama against Texas A&M had people in the backfield with four rushers in the backfield the whole game. And against Tennessee, they couldn't get there. They could not get to the quarterback and yet did not decide to go and bring an extra guy very often at all. So the Tennessee offensive line, to me, has really come of age. They're protecting right now a lot better than they did early in the year. Hey, guys, if Hyatt has burned me for 200 and. 20 yards, whatever it was by this point, why am I not blitzing? Why am I not trying anything? I mean, you're going to throw a pass over my safeties anytime you want it. At one point, he had like three catches, 150 yards. Well, he and, then he caught another, and then he caught another one. It's like, what are, we, are you going to, do you guys want to give him 300 yards today? Like 400 yards? Because if you guys don't get pressure on the quarterback, we're, and I thought Tennessee went away from that. I would have keep throwing over their safeties. I mean, you guys Tennessee got a little conservative in the third quarter. Yeah, they, they got did. a little conservative, but they, they came hurt. right back to it again oh, as the game got tighter. Yeah, they yeah. attacked. And Saban, it's really weird. You know, that lack of aggression thing. You know, George, your Braves had that. It was um Oh yeah. You know, I was watching the Braves Phillies game and then that, and 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 my mind was blown. I'm sitting there going, okay, my Sillies are getting ready to beat the Atlanta Braves, who they have no business being on the field with. I mean, they don't. the Phillies are not good defensively. The Phillies don't have a really good bullpen. Like, how is this happening? Well, they were just aggressive. I mean, they were just had aggressive at-bats. They were just aggressive. They played hungrier. And Tennessee turned right around and did the exact same thing. And then I watched Saban at the end in winning time. And, and Watson, you're so right. I mean, here they are, and this guy, look, this guy's a Hall of Fame first ballot in every Hall of Fame you can put him in. But, man, the way they managed the end of that game, offensively and defensively, was all-time bad. All, no offense to him. It was all-time bad. It was really strange. It was almost like the Phillies were supposed to win and the Vols were supposed to win. I mean, what other conclusion can you draw from that? By the way, the only place louder than Citizens Bank Park this weekend yeah. was your place. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my son right. goes to Penn, you know. So so I did a nice father thing for him. I said, surprise, I'm buying you tickets today. I want you to go to that Phillies game. And so he says, well, you know, I want to watch the Vols. I said, you have a chance to go watch an elimination game in baseball and you're in the city? Go watch that game, and then when you come out in the second half, and that's what happened. You can go watch the uh, go watch the Tennessee game. Well, to make a long story short, he says to me the atmosphere at LSU was insane. He said, and then this thing in Philadelphia was incredible. But you know, the thing about it is, he tells me, he says, Dad, if I had my choice, I'd have rather been in Neyland Stadium. That's a kid that grew up here, and for kids his age, 
They've never seen Tennessee matter in football. Never. They've taken like 13 or 14 years off here. It's, I mean, how could you wreck Tennessee football like that? How could you do that? I don't know. They figured out a way. And this guy's come in here from the depths of despair. The program literally sitting there on the throes of the death penalty kind of deal. When all those players left, four or five really good players left for Oklahoma. Henry T left. A couple other frontline starters got out of there. And this ragtag group of guys that were left with this coach and the transfer portal and a system. And I give Watson Brown a lot of credit because I thought he was nuts earlier in the year. He said, <laughs> he said, this guy's system, Tony, is so far ahead of college football. It's so far ahead of it. And you know, Watson, the question I have in Georgia is how long till people start copying this guy? I mean, surely that's right around the corner, right? I mean, this is the, this is the worst kept secret in college football now. But one thing, Watson, you say is if you're going to copy it, you got to do it as a lifestyle. You can't just go to the gym a couple times a week and play this offense. You've got to adopt it as a lifestyle. You've got to dive in at the deep end and 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 sink or swim. That's kind of what you've told me. Is that that's right, Watson, isn't it? Yeah, you, you what they do is wishbony. It's empty sets that you have to have a complete package to run it. You can't just take pieces of it and do it. You can, and if it works, you'll call it again, but if somebody stops it, you don't you got to have the whole package because they have to be able to run a lot of different patterns, Tony, with yeah. those big splits out there. Yeah. And they have to have ways to beat man, ways to beat zone, ways to beat single safety high, ways to beat double safety high. There's, there's a, It's a full package. Tennessee's like everybody else on third and long. But in those – within right. the change, which they yeah. stayed the other day, that's a different package. And it makes everybody simplify, number one, and it makes everybody – near play in some form of man-to-man, Alabama couldn't do it. You know, Nick Saban, George, is when he loses, it's it's really good athletic quarterback play. If you go mm-hmm. back and look at his losses through through the, through Clemson, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. uh, Ohio Manziel. State kid, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Manziel, Mm-hmm. It's always, and that's what Hendon Hooker did. I mean, when he didn't have somebody open him, he got him with his legs, and and he still hasn't really figured that out, in my opinion. He could very well play this team again, and I would bet you, because he is a very good adjuster, and I'm sitting here getting on him. I've I've been out coached many times in games myself. He'll learn from that game. If they play Tennessee again, I don't know if they beat them. But you won't see the same looks. I'll but he's going to bring pressure. Right he's going to bring pressure. Yeah, he's going to bring pressure and, this time. And they very well yeah. could play him again yeah. because I'm going to tell you, if they get by Kentucky, that one scares me. But if Tennessee gets by Kentucky, I don't know if Georgia can outscore them, guys. Here we go. I don't know if Georgia's offense is good don't enough to outscore that. them now. I'm hey, telling you. Watson, don't do that to me. <laughs> look at look how tired I, I mean seriously look at me. I'm just I'm just think about it both of you I mean nobody yet has stopped the Tennessee offense they, and I don't know if Georgia can keep up Alabama could because of one guy and I said that all week I said Alabama can score well and but I don't know if Georgia can do that fellas well, I'm not sure they didn't play the tougher opponent of the two Georgia has now they got to go to Athens. Yeah, well, and Georgia has a real good secondary. I mean, that's they're, one thing. They're much you know? better, but so you, you give them that much yeah. time now. 
you give them that much time well, to throw. Uh, that was the difference. I mean, he was just – his jersey was clean, and Bryce Young's wasn't. And t- don't tell me Bryce Young ain't tougher nails. Got a separated <laughs> shoulder and gets hit like he got hit in that game. And he never flinched. He never crazy. flinched in the ball game. So we the kid's had, unbelievable to me. We had Jason Simpson on the show today, who's the head coach at uh, Tennessee Martin, who were in here this week. Now, Jason was in the stands last weekend watching the game because they're off, and his son is a quarterback at Alabama. Now, he's a freshman. He, he signed and had, was a highly recruited young man. So Jason tells me he, on the air today, he said, here's the backstory on, on this Alabama quarterback. He didn't throw a ball in practice for two weeks. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, he didn't throw a ball in practice for two weeks, and he looks like that? I mean, Unbelievable. good night. As long as you got to take a cap to people, you know. But you're right, Watson. I don't see if Tennessee rolls that thing out there and gets on track against Georgia – and does that deal where they get like a quick 17-point spurt? What's Georgia going to do? Well, they, they, 17 won't do it, but that nobody's going to hold Tennessee. If they stay healthy, nobody's going to hold Tennessee in, in, under 30. It's no, going to be like in a, the 30s. Yeah, I mean like and I just 17. don't know if Georgia yeah. can score in the 30s in the big game. So I know we're getting ahead of it. And don't forget the big blue. I'm telling you. They're scary. That team, and it's going. To, they're going to catch Tennessee right. They're still patting themselves yep. on the chest. Yep. They showed me something Saturday night now in that win against Mississippi State. That is those. That's a tough-minded bunch of kids, and they played the pass really well, really well Saturday night. They they made that Mississippi State offense mm-hmm. look just meek as lambs, and mm-hmm. and so that one maybe scares me as much as the Georgia game. Hey, Tony, let me ask you this. Uh, even even in our business, we do go to commercial breaks every once in a while. Can I ask you two questions after the break? Be glad to. You got time to do it? Be an honor, man. I'll hang out with you, sure. Tony Basilio sticks around for a few more minutes. This is Main Street Media Television. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. One arm on the wheel. Holding my lover with the other. A sweet, soft, southern thrill. We are back. Ask Tony Basilio to stick around for a couple of more questions before we call this a night. Tony, I'm old enough, and you are too, to remember the run in 98 that resulted in the 99 national title. I remember the night they won it all. The Preds had played a 5 o'clock game, and I did one of your marathon postgame shows afterwards. You know, I also remember Clint Sterner with the fumble uh, that helped Tennessee against Arkansas. I guess what I'm getting at, does this have for you a similar – magic carpet ride feel to it? I mean, I'm trying so hard to stay away from that and um, just take this thing and enjoy it for what it is. Cause I don't want to throw undue 
uh, undue weight on that coaching staff and those kids who have really accomplished a lot. I mean, this is the first team here that's won four top 25 games since 2001. A long time. Um, and they've really done a lot. I mean, they, they had an eight eight win win total. They're sitting there at six and zero, oh, but eight was the the Vegas win total. But to be honest with you, one of the other teams in '98 that was undefeated through the whole season was UCLA. Another team that was pretty good that year was was uh, Syracuse, and they're undefeated. I mean, it's weird. What is UCLA doing unbeaten right now? Would somebody please tell me this? You know what they're doing? They've got an offense. They've got an offense that challenges everybody and and puts all kinds of stress on defenses with a veteran quarterback. Same thing Tennessee's doing. And that's what they're doing. And that's the game right now. I mean, UCLA's undefeated. Like, they play Oregon this week. If they win, George, I'm going to start to think this is 98. We're like in a time warp or something. Yeah. It's really strange. It's it really is. strange. Yeah, it is really weird. Yeah, it so, really is. We know Hooker is going to get invited to New York when this is all over. Whether Tennessee is in the playoffs or whatever, there's going to yeah. be this, this celebration at the end for him. Uh, do you think it's – I asked Watson this. Do you think it's down to him, Bryce Young, and Stroud? Probably. And the Stroud guy, I mean, I hate to say this, but when they play offense, it looks like they're playing a different game. Now, they're about to get tested, obviously. Michigan, Penn State coming up on their schedule. You know, the thing I wonder about those three guys, and I don't know any any other way to say this than just to say it is, is it the same sport in the Big Ten that it is in the Southeastern Conference? I mean, the Big Ten top-end teams are pretty good. We know that. But week in and week out, week in and week out, where you really get more tested? Who gets more tested? How do you compare? I mean, those two leagues. I, I don't know. I'm asking for a friend here. Because Step really, in, those Watson. are the two leagues that the TV networks are going to line up behind for years to come. I, I think Ohio State, even though they don't have to all the time, Tony, yeah. I think they can open it up and do what all the good offenses can do. So don't count them out. And I think I Michigan is the toughest, most physical football team in the country. And uh, so I think that's two really good teams. I think they, they're deserving to be where both of those two are. And I think Ohio State can play with anybody. I'm not sure Michigan throws it well enough to yeah. hang on. But, man, are they physical. I mean, they just pummeled Penn State. Pumped they beat them. the fool out of them yes. and just old-timey knock you down, get up, yep. and you want it again. And Penn yep. State kind of waved that old white flag, yeah, they man. They, they so I think those two teams are pretty daggum good. Tony, not that I think you need it right now, but if a person has watched this and they really want to join in on the fun that you're having up there, mm-hmm. how do they do it? Well, I just want to say um, – I usually don't look like this, and I, I usually am a lot more fun when I'm coherent and have had rest. <laughs> what do you mean? So, look but like if you this. still, if your if your curiosity is still piqued by my horrendous performance on here um, today, as I put my hand on my head, um, tclub.team, 
is our website. And, and I am generally, I do make more sense and I'm generally more coherent than this. We, we've had a lot of fun. And I'll tell you, um, it has just been, it's amazing to see the power of sport to unify people. You know, somebody said um, something on, on my show yesterday that bears repeating, I think, which is this. You know, three things really bring people together. And he says one of them is God, which I believe. Another one's tragedy. And the third thing we have in life is sports that we commune around. And I, I think that's true. I think you saw that. Those pictures that you showed when you, when you led into me being on here tonight. Put them back up, Billy. Where in sports? I mean, where in, in life? Where in life do you get opportunities like that? Look at that. I don't care who you cheer for. I don't care if you're an Alabama fan. Hey, I had a couple of Alabama fans email me that were in that stadium the other night, and they said, looking down on that field, as, as human beings, they said, that was a beautiful thing to say. Just a beautiful thing to say. Hey, Tony, a long before, time here. before I let you go, yeah, I love the fact that in the heart of all this, you're doing what you're doing for charity. Get back with me. If there's something I can do, whether it's my Titans tickets or my Preds tickets for a game uh, to help you, yeah. let me know. I'm serious because okay, I yeah. think it's yeah. one of the responsibilities we have with this platform. I said this the night I got in the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. There are too many companies not doing this anymore. I love the fact that you care enough to do it. I care enough to do it. That's right. You let me know. Well, I don't know I, if I can help you. Thank you, George, because I really do believe God's put me here for, you know, for a reason. And and I'd hate to think at the end of it that all we do is enrich ourselves. And, and radio stations, as we've gone along, have turned into banks. They used to be community entities. Yeah. And they've turned into banks along the way. And not there's anything wrong with the banking industry. But, I mean, banks are banks are necessary radios used radio stations used to be connected to communities and now they're owned by major corporations. And that's one of the things I love about being independent because when somebody comes to me and they have a need and I see that it's a worthwhile need and I feel like I need to get involved, I jump in with both feet and this mentoring program with what's going on in our country right now with the violence and the issues we have, when you find and you take children under wing and show them a different way while they have one or both parents incarcerated, there have been kids that have come out of that program that are now mentoring other kids. Now, that's a beautiful thing right there. You think about that for a second. Kids that came into that thing at the age of five or six that are now 19, 20, 21. And I've met them a couple uh, the last time we did the tailgate, two kids that I walked up to, I call everybody a kid, but they were in their late teens, early 20s. And they said, I came through this program and I'm now mentoring. I'm now mentoring. I'm giving back. I'm pulling somebody else up with me. It's a beautiful thing. That it is really what is. it's all about. Let's talk yeah. tomorrow. Thank you, George. Yes, sir. Tony, thanks as always. Hey, thank my best to you guys.